Well, are you excited about the word of the Lord this morning? Yeah. If you're excited about God's word, stand this morning as we will honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord here in just a moment. Amen. Well, today we are beginning a brand new series I'm calling It's About Time. Have you ever been waiting on someone for what seemed to be forever? And you know, when you're waiting on someone, it does. It just seems like forever. And when they finally show up, you say to them, well, it's about time. A couple of weeks ago, I, I heard the Lord speak to me this phrase, it's about time. As I grabbed my yellow pad and my pen, and I began to write down what I heard the Lord saying. Today we're going to talk about the first thing that I heard the Lord say. And I feel like that I heard the Lord say to me, it's about time we grew up. It's about time we grew up. And my thought immediately went to a scripture in the book of Hebrews. That's our text for today. Hebrews chapter 5 Verses 12 and 13. And the writer of Hebrews says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like the writer of Hebrews was saying, it's about time you grew up. Father, I just pray today that you'll take the word, Lord, that is shared today. Lord, not my word. Lord, not the little sermon that I put together, but the true word of God today. God, may it do the work that needs to be done in those that are here today. Father, give us ears to hear your word. Father, all of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. There are three things that immature people do. There are a lot of other things they do, but three things I'm going to talk about this morning. Three things that are common in children are those that are still acting like children. If we grow up and become mature, we will stop doing these three things. The first thing that we need to stop doing if we're going to grow up and if we're going to mature is we need to stop pouting. Stop pouting. You know, one sure sign of immaturity is pouting. Children often pout when they don't get their way or when something doesn't turn out the way that they think that it should. Here's what I've discovered, and that is even grown-ups pout sometimes. Even people that that you wouldn't dream in a million years would would ever be a pouter, but but, but even even grown-ups pout sometimes. One such person in the Bible was the bulldog prophet named Elijah. I mean, you read about him, you'll find that he was a rugged dude. He was a real man's man. He feared nobody. He, he, he spoke his mind. He didn't try to be politically correct. He, he didn't dance around the issues or tiptoe through the tulips. He, he was no silver-tongued politician. He spoke boldly. 
He spoke bravely. But most of all, he spoke for God. But although all of this is true about him, he was still still human. And one day his humanity was showing all over him. And Elijah threw one giant pity party. The Bible says that Elijah became depressed. And the Bible says that Elijah pouted. Now I want us to read about it this morning. You'll find that recorded in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. The book of 1 Kings chapter 19 and and the first four verses of that chapter. It says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. What we need to understand is that earlier Elijah had prophesied a three-year drought. And it happened. Earlier, he, he, he had just been supernaturally pro- protected and provided for in the midst of this three-year drought. He had just won a showdown with 850 of King Ahab's false prophets on Mount Carmel. The Bible says that he, he had prayed for the drought to be broken and his prayer was heard and, and, the, and the rain came. And yet now he receives a threatening email from Queen Jezebel and it throws him into depression and he runs away and he finds himself the loneliest, most desolate place that he can find. He sits down and he pouts. I want us to notice what happens when we pout. It suggests, first of all, pouting causes us to exaggerate our troubles. Verse 10, Elijah says to God, I'm all you've got. I'm all you have. I'm the only one left serving you and and I'm about to be killed. See, pouting caused Elijah to exaggerate his problems. Did he have any problems? Absolutely. But not any more than he had already faced in the past. Was he in danger of losing his life? Probably not. Listen, if God could protect him from 850 false prophets, surely he could protect him from one queen. Was he alone in his righteous stand for God? No, no, no. God told him, amen, in verse 18, uh, he said, hey, dude, he said, I have 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed to Baal. I have 7,000 in Israel who have taken a stand for righteousness. You think you're all alone. You think you're by yourself. Hey, I've got 7,000 others just like you. But pouting causes us to exaggerate our troubles. The word of the Lord for somebody here today is it's about time you grow up. It's about time you stop pouting. 
I believe that God's people need to stop pouting and start praying. The truth of the matter is the things that we are pouting about might not even be happening to us if we had been praying all along. Listen, pouting helps, helps nothing. Pouting, pouting makes matters worse. Pouting simply reveals our true immaturity. What's to notice something else about pouting? Pouting causes us to withdraw from the people who can help us. Pouting causes us to withdraw from the very people that can help us. That's what Elijah did. Verse number 3, Elijah ran. The Bible said he went to Beersheba. But notice this, and it says that he left his servant there. And it goes on to say, but he, Elijah, went on into the wilderness a day's journey. Elijah withdrew from his servant. Why? Why did Elijah withdraw from his servant? Because Elijah knew that his servant would remind him of the faithfulness of God. That his servant would remind him of the goodness of God. That his servant would remind him of the power of God. That the servant would remind him of all of the things that his God had just done for him recently. And remind him that he had no reason to be pouting. And remind him that the same God of of the past would be the God of the and that what God had done for him, God will continue to do for him. But Elijah didn't want to hear that. I mean, he had already made the Kool-Aid and bought the balloons. He's having his pity party. And he's not bringing some positive saint along with him to try and lift his spirits. He's planned for this and he will have it. Here's what I've noticed. People often stay home from church when they need it the most. People often withdraw from the saints when they need them the most. When times get hard, when things aren't going your way, when you're down for the count, this is no time to run away and hide. This is no time to fold up in a fetal position and suck your thumb. This is a time to fight. This is a time for prayer. This is a time for spiritual warfare. This is a time to call on your brothers and sisters of like precious faith and call upon them for their love and for their support and for their prayer. This is a time to make sure you're at the house of the Lord to receive a word from God. And it's not a time to sit in the lobby. And it's not a time to walk the halls. Amen. You're at church, but you're not really there. Amen. It is a time to get into the sanctuary, to get into the auditorium, to tune yourself to the Spirit and let God use you and let God speak to you and let God pick you up from where you are and put you where He wants you to be. Not only should you stop pouting and start praying, you need to stop pouting and start praising. Isaiah 61 and 3 says, He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. One translation says that we can put on a garment of praise for the spirit of despair. You say, Pastor, what should we do when we feel like pouting? Praise instead. 
choose praise over pouting. See, see, pouting is a choice. Pouting is a choice. All of us have bad things going on. All of us have difficulties. All of us have the pressures of life. All of us, all of us have things coming uh, against us and things in, in our life. We can either choose, we can choose to pout or we can choose to praise. Pouting is a choice, but so is praise. Let me just tell you personally that I can always tell uh, what the problem is when I start feeling like I want to pout. Pastor, do you ever feel like you want to pout? Yes, there are times when I feel like I want to pout. But when I feel like I want to pout, I recognize quickly what the, what the reason is and why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. I recognize that I have not been praying or praying or praising as much as usual. See, see the problems are there whether I praise or I pout. The pressure is there whether I praise or I pout. But listen, how big the problem appears to be to me and the weight of how the pressure feels to me is always determined by whether I choose to praise or I choose to pout. The word of the Lord for somebody here today is it's about time. It's about time we grew up. And if we, if we grow up, we will stop doing three things. Number one, we'll stop pouting. Number two, we'll stop pretending. Now, I've talked about this a little bit lately, but I just feel in, in, impressed to, to, to just press this a little bit. So we're going to hear it again this morning. Children play pretend. Children play dress up. Children play make-believe. And that's okay. They're kids. They're children. It's something that children do, but it's not okay to play, pretend, dress up, make believe after you're an, an adult. But the problem is most adults today are still playing pretend. I want to notice three areas where people are still playing pretend today. Number one, we pretend that we're someone we're not. People are pretending they're somebody they are not. In Genesis chapter 27, Jacob pretended to be Esau in order to get his father's blessing. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira pretended to be faithful tithers and generous givers to the church when they were not. People play pretend every day. Husbands and wives pretend to be faithful to each other when they are actually not. Some are having an affair. Some are having an affair through pornography. Yes, I said an affair through pornography. Some Christians pretend to be, to, to be saints, and in reality, they are chameleons. They are living a double life. They are one way on Sunday and somebody different on Monday. Some politicians pretend to have the best interest of the country at heart when in actuality they are promoting their own personal agenda. And the list goes on and on and on. We need to stop pretending to be somebody that we are not and we need to start the process of truly becoming that person. Another area where people play pretend is we pretend we can afford what we have. We pretend we can afford what we have. Debt and credit cards are the biggest contributing factor to the adult let's play pretend game today. 
through debt and through credit cards, a person can fool a lot of people for a while. But a day of reckoning is coming for these people. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 7 says, Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Some of you are jealous of of some friend or some relative for what they have, when if you only knew the whole story, they don't have anything. They're playing dress-up. They're playing make-believe. They're playing pretend. They're playing, we can afford this stuff that we have, when in actuality they are in debt up until their eyeballs, and a day of reckoning is coming, and it's all all going to come down, crashing down on their head one of these days. Sad part is this game of charades can only go on for so long. Another area where people play pretend is pretending that everything is okay. Whether that be with their health, whether that be with their emotions, whether that be with their relationships, whether that be with their walk with God. Pretending that everything is okay. Samson in the Bible played this pretend game. You know the story about Samson? Samson was the original Superman. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord would come mightily upon Samson. And the Bible said that he would have superhuman strength. And that Samson would be able to perform superhuman feats. Samson had a calling on his life. His calling required him to live a certain way. It required him to abstain from certain things. If you'll read the story, you'll find that Samson began to ignore his calling and he began to compromise his convictions and he began to cross over the line in certain areas of his life. But Samson assumed that everything was okay. He even fooled himself in this presumption. But in Judges chapter number 16 and verse number 20, one of, the, one of the saddest verses to me in the entirety of the Word of God. The Bible says that Samson said to himself, this is my paraphrase, Samson said to himself, all is well. Everything is okay. Nothing has changed. I'm okay. The Spirit will come upon me like always. But the Bible says that he wasn't even aware that the Spirit had departed from him. He thinks he's all right. He thinks he's okay. He's been playing the let's pretend game. Let's pretend I'm walking with God. Let's pretend I'm walking within my calling. Let's pretend I'm walking within the parameters of a man of God. Let's pretend that everything is okay. But one day he, uh, he, he, it came to him that everything was not okay. And when he went out and tried to shake himself, and when he needed the Spirit of God more than he'd ever needed the Spirit of God before, he didn't even know, he didn't even recognize, he wasn't even aware that the Spirit of God was long gone in his life. I wonder how many saints this describes. I wonder how many churches this describes. I wonder, I wonder how many are having church today and the Spirit of the Lord has long lifted from off of that place. The anointing has long, far been, long been uh, taken out of that house. Oh, oh, I pray God, may, may, may the Spirit of God never withdraw himself from this place. May the anointing never be lifted off of this house. May the anointing, I told the Lord this morning before I walked out of my office, I said, Lord, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I said, Lord, if you don't anoint me this morning, I'm not going. 
going to, I'm not going to open my mouth. What would it be like to think that the Spirit of God, you have the Spirit of God, but all along, all along you presume something that is no longer true. The Spirit of God has departed from you. I wonder how many saints have been playing make-believe. They've been playing dress-up. Dress-up on Sunday morning. Live like the devil all week long. But put on that, you know, put on that garment of Christianity and spirituality. And walk in and throw your head up high and play the pretend game. But listen, listen, you can only pretend for so long. I wonder how many saints have been playing make-believe, playing dress-up, playing pretend playing church for so long that they have even fooled themselves into believing that all is well spiritually. They are not even aware that the Holy Spirit has departed from them. The word of the Lord to somebody here this morning is it's about time. It's about time you grew up and it's about time you stopped pretending. Stop pretending you're somebody you're not. Stop pretending you can afford what you have. Stop pretending that everything is okay. Time to stop pretending and start repairing. And it's not too late. That's the good news this morning. Pastor, don't you have any good news? Yes, I've got good news this morning. It's not too late. God can help us. It's about time. It's about time we grew up. If we truly grow up, we'll stop pouting. If we truly grow up, we'll stop pretending. Number three this morning, if we grow up, We'll stop procrastinating. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity. You know, most children are big procrastinators. I mean, it takes them an hour to put away their toys that should take three minutes. And they can make up every excuse in the book why they don't need to go to bed or they don't need to take their nap. Fact is, they spend more time uh, protesting than their nap would have actually taken. Well, adults are guilty too. We have all these big plans, you know, like losing 50 pounds, like finishing our degree, like getting our master's degree, like getting out of debt, like stop smoking, like becoming a volunteer at church. The list continues on and on and on and on and on. The word of the Lord for somebody here this morning is it's about time. It's about time. It's about time you grew up. It's about time you grew up and stopped procrastinating. I want to give you three quick things about procrastination this morning. The first one is this. It's never the right time, so start now. It's never the right time, so start now. In Exodus chapter 8, the Second plague appears in Egypt, and it was a plague of frogs. Well, you know, a frog here, a frog there, here a frog, there a frog. That's not too bad. But it was a plague of frogs, a gazillion 
frogs, frogs everywhere. You couldn't even step without stepping on frogs. Can you imagine the stench? Can you imagine the deafening sound? Make you want to croak. (laughs) In verses 9 and 10, Moses asked Pharaoh when he would like this plague of frogs to go, Oi, there's a gazillion frogs. They're everywhere. They're on the countertops. They're on the floor. They're on the commode. Oh, they probably didn't have commode, right? I mean the stench. I mean the deafening sound. I mean the squish. You couldn't even walk without. There were frogs everywhere. And Moses asked Pharaoh when he would like this plague of frogs to go away. And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. (laughs) Pharaoh, you dumber than a box of rocks. Tomorrow? Really? Tomorrow? You really want to experience this horrendous nightmare another day? You really want to go through another sleepless night? Really? Really? You want it to go away tomorrow? Why not today? Why not right now? Let me ask you this morning. Why have you procrastinated your ugly situation? Why have you tolerated your craziness so Long, listen, I believe the word for somebody here this morning is stop procrastinating. Listen, it's never the right time, so start now. Nothing will ever change as long as you keep procrastinating. In Acts chapter 24, Felix, the governor, procrastinated his very own salvation. Verse 25, it says, as Felix reasoned about the coming day of judgment, Felix trembled. I believe that as he was presented the gospel, the Holy Spirit brought conviction uh, to the heart of of Felix, and he trembled under, under conviction of the Holy Spirit. But notice what Felix's response was. He said, go away for now. He said, when it is more convenient, then I will call you back. But the sad fact is it is not recorded in Scripture that he ever did. I must tell you this morning that procrastination probably cost Felix his eternal soul. It's never the right time. So start now. Second thing I want us to notice about procrastination, it's never the right place. So start where you are. People often procrastinate because they are waiting for better conditions. They're waiting for a better situation. They're waiting for a better starting point. But the truth of the matter is there are no perfect situations. There, are, there will never come a time when it will be a perfect condition. It's never the right place, so start where you are. In Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, God told Abraham, God said to Abraham, he said, lift up your eyes now. When? And God said, look from the place where you are. The place where you what? God says, lift up your eyes now and look 
from the place where you are. Look north, look south, look east, look west. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make a great people out of you. And I'm going to start with you right where you are. I believe God's special word to somebody here this morning is it's never the right place. So start right where you are. Stop procrastinating and just get started. Lift up your eyes from where you are right here this morning and let God show you a vision of where he wants to take you. And the third thing about procrastination is this. We'll never have enough. We'll start with what we have. We'll never have enough. So start with what we have. I'm going to tell you something. Thirteen and a half years ago, if we'd have waited till we had enough, we would still be waiting. We are here today. Fast forward today. We are where we are today. We have what we have today because we didn't have very much, but we started with what we had. You'll never have enough, so start with what you have. You know, people often procrastinate waiting until they have more to work with. If only I had more to work with, they say. But here's the thing. Listen, listen this morning. God, God doesn't need a lot. He only needs what we have to give him. Man, you know, if I just had more, man, I would just give it to God and God could do awesome and incredible and wonderful and mighty and miraculous things with me. Listen, God doesn't need a whole lot. All God needs to do something awesome and incredible and even miraculous in your life. All he needs for you, from you, is to give him what you have. And let me tell you something else. He will never give us more until we do something with what he has given us. Amen? Amen. We say, God, give me some more. God said, why should I give you more? You're not doing anything with what I gave you. Why should I give you more when when you're unfaithful and unprofitable with what I gave you? Do something with what I have given you. And when you do something with what I have given you, then I can know that I can trust you with more. And when you do something with what I've already given you, then I will give you something more to work with. For Moses, it was a rod. Wasn't any magic in that stick. It was a stick. Not a magic wand, a stick. For David, it was a sling and five little rocks. For the little boy, it was, it was his lunch, his happy meal from McDonald's. For the men with the talents, it was just the talents that he had given to them. The word of the Lord to someone here this morning is stop procrastinating. You'll never have enough, so start with what you have. i get some help on the platform this morning, please. Takeaway for the message today is you can only be young once, but you can be immature forever. Some people are talking about going in their second childhood. Some of you have never left your first childhood. How do I know that? Because of the way you act. 
takeaway this morning. Number two, it isn't about, or isn't it about time we grew up? You know, we're all at different levels in our walk with God, and I I honestly don't mind, uh, you know, uh, bottle feeding people. But when I have to move their whiskers away to get the bottle in, I don't really... (laughs) The writer of Hebrews said, listen, the writer of Hebrews called them a bunch of babies. Talk about a bulldog. He said, hey, he said, by this time you ought to be teachers. But not only are you not ready to be teachers, we need to start all over with you. Because you haven't even made the first base yet. It's about time you grew up. I think that's the word of the Lord to somebody here today. It's time to grow up. Time to grow up in the Lord. And the third takeaway for today is mature people do three things. They show up. They shape up. And they sharpen up. Mature people show up. They show up. Pastor, are you going to have prayer from 9 o'clock at night to midnight? What's that all about? It's about sacrifice. And those of you that were here Sunday night or uh, Friday night, not only did we show up, the Holy Spirit showed up, didn't he? Man, he showed up. And those of you that made it through those all, all three hours, I mean, it just progressively got better, didn't it? It just built, 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 built. Mature people show up. Even when they don't understand, even when they don't know what it's all about, they show up. I'm needed. I'm going to show up. God might be there. I'm going to show up. Not only do mature people show up, they shape up. They shape up. Yeah, because they're reading the Word. When you read the Word, it shows you how far from God you really are and how much, how much work you really need on your life. And so mature people, they read the Word, and when they read the Word, it helps them, it shapes them, they, it helps them shape up, become who they're supposed to be. And mature people sharpen up. They sharpen up no matter how long they've been walking with God. They sharpen their tools. Amen. Listen, I'm not as strong at 62 as I was at 22. So if I work, I need sharper tools. Because when I was 22, man, I could bust through with a dull axe. But at 62, that axe better be pretty sharp. And that wood better be really thin. <laughs> but I know I need to sharpen up. I need, I, it needs, I need a sharper tool. And the longer I walk with God, the more I understand that, you know, I can't just go anymore on just my being young because everybody loves a young preacher. Everybody loves a young preacher. They do. They love a young preacher. I mean, he can't preach his way on a wet paper sack, but they tell him he's the greatest thing since sliced bread because everybody loves a, 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 a young preacher. So I need, I need, to, sharpen my, I need to sharpen my axe. I don't need to rest on my laurels or 
you know, just tread water with what I know. I need to sharpen my axe. Mature people show up, shape up, and sharpen up. Would you stand with me this morning?